Welcome back to another edition of the Hog Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steffi. Coming to you from a little bit of a different scenery, I'm in Indianapolis this week for the NFL Combine and Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament. I'll be answering questions about both of those and talking a little bit about the Iowa football staffing changes in a little bit. But first, I'll be joined momentarily by Joey Woody, the head coach of the Iowa track and field programs. They've been having quite the year so far, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. I am now excited to welcome Joey Woody, the head coach of the Iowa track and field programs. Joey, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first of all, you were just named Big Ten Men's Coach of the Year after the indoor season. What was your reaction to the news yesterday? Obviously, you know, excited about it. Um, you know, I wish I wish it was more of a what they call a staff award because that's really what it is. I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't win those things without a, a great staff. And so, you know, I always try and show appreciation for my coaching staff and uh, my director of ops and our medical staff and everybody that goes into helping us win this, these championships, you know, because um, I'm only a one man show and um, I'm thankful that I have so much support and um, just tremendous, you know, people that I get to be around that, that are fighting for titles and, and doing everything that, that we can do as individuals to help this team continue to progress forward. And speaking of those championships, you know, you got a new one with, once again, being the Big Ten indoor champs for the men's side, what was kind of the key there to returning as conference champions? Well, fortunately, we we returned a lot of our uh, point scores from last year, so we felt good. You know, at the at the start of the season, you know, when we when we came back in in uh, September, uh, just getting things going, you know, we felt really good about who we had returning, but. The key is really uh, making sure that your kids stay healthy throughout the season and that they can actually get to the, the championship, especially dealing with COVID and, and all the things that we all had to deal with. Um, but we also had some tremendous freshmen that really stepped up this year and um, kind of surprised us, really. I mean, we've had some great, great freshmen, um, you know, in the past. But, you know, when guys are showing up and they're making it to the national meet as freshmen, that's that's really really a big thing. And, you know, Caitlin Walker was a big surprise. I mean, he was, you know, a, a developmental kid out of high school. Um, you know, the coaches at Indian Hills did a really good job with him uh, when he was there uh, last year for one year, but then he's just made huge steps uh, forward this year um, and really took our, our short spread program to a whole nother level. Uh, but you look at like Chadwick Richards, who was a, you know, a kid that was probably not recruited by a lot of big schools out of high school and coach Wignight, you know, has done a, you know, just a remarkable job with our 400 group. Um, and Chad really took off and, you know, now it's going to the national meet in two events as a true freshman. That's, that's really unheard of, uh, especially for, for guys that probably weren't, you know, phenoms out of high school. So he's, he's really made him his mark early uh, in his career. Um, but it's just exciting because for us, you know, it, it really took, uh, coaches and athletes in every event group to help us win this championship. You know, we had, you know, we scored points in every event area from the throws to the jumps, to the, to the sprints, hurdles and distance uh, events. So um, you can't, it's hard to win big 10 titles unless you have a lot of depth. And we we're fortunate to have uh, a lot of depth across all the event groups. Is there anything in particular, you know, because usually you don't hear about true freshmen, you know, having that success year one. 
Is there anything in particular that worked out particularly well this time around for that to happen? Well, I think it's, he's, you know, our, all of our athletes are surrounded by great athletes ahead of them. And, and so when you come into a training group, like, like Chad did, and to be surrounded by that quality of, of a group, um, you know, just helps raise your game. It elevates your game. Um, you don't, you're not expected to be the guy, you know, like you're coming in, but you're still surrounded by other, um, you know, top end, you know, national caliber athletes. Uh, so you just got to show up and just kind of follow suit, kind of follow those guys around, train with them every day. And you just, you know, naturally you're going to get better by just being around that, that level of athlete. So um, I think it's just more about the culture that we have and, and the, the athletes that we already have on the team, especially in those event groups um, that are able to kind of surround uh, our freshmen with, with that kind of talent, but also the work ethic, the dedication, you know, doing the things on and off the track at a high level. Um, that's what's going to really help a, a lot of our young athletes. Um, we also had a lot of, you know, redshirt freshmen, freshmen that maybe ran well last year or competed, you know, decently last year, but took a huge step forward this year um, at, in their second year. So I think that was another thing, too, is especially battling last year with with dealing with COVID. And, you know, last year we had to stay in the Big Ten Conference the entire season. So this is the first time that a lot of these guys got a chance to travel outside of the conference and I think that made a world of difference uh with just being able to compete at a higher level um going to bigger meets seeing seeing the best competition in the country when we go to some of these meets um you know obviously we, we compete against good competition in the big 10 uh, but it's it's kind of frustrating when you're competing against the same athletes every single weekend at, at the same meet so uh, that was a tough thing to deal with last year, but I, I was really impressed with how our athletes took a huge step forward this year. Um, and that's why I think that's why we had a lot more qualifiers to the NCAA championships, um, just because we were able to be in that environment more often this year. And 11, that's a school record, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a school record. And, um, you know, it's on the men's side, I think it's 10 events, which is tied for for second in the in the country right now for number of qualifiers. So. Uh, but again, that's what it takes. You gotta you gotta have elite athletes, but you gotta have the numbers to to try and score a lot of points. Um, you know, just you gotta have more bullets <laughs> uh, to be able to fire uh, when you get to the championship. And so, the more athletes you have there, the better chances you do uh, you have to make finals and, and score points and help our team try and try and win a trophy. And then it seems like one of those non-true freshmen um, that really seems to have risen up is Janelle McIver. What have you seen him do, you know, three records broken, two individual, one relay in a one-month span? Yeah, I mean, you know, Janot is an exceptional athlete, but he's, you know, he's uh, made some huge steps uh, this year and just taking care of his body. He had, had to deal with some injuries uh, last year, and a lot of that was because he just didn't know what it took to train at this level, compete at this level, and also recover uh, to be able to, you know, be successful. And so I think as a freshman, he, he was just kind of learning and growing and he still competed pretty well. Um, but he just, we just couldn't do as much with him. And he made a commitment himself to really take care of the, what some people would call the little things. I actually call the big things, um, you know, coming in, do, getting treatment, um, sleep, nutrition, all those things just took a huge step forward for him. And I think that's, you know, that's where you're seeing the success come from is just more of that commitment to the things outside of just the training piece. 
um, you know, training is, is a big part of it, but it's the rest and recovery that allows athletes to really develop um, and to be able to adapt to the hard training that we, that we put them through. And then it seems like both on the men's and women's side, you've had a lot of success with the four by 400. What's the art to putting together the right four by 400 team? Well, it starts with recruiting, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, you got to get some good kids into your program to help that, but it's right now it's more the mentality. It's an expectation. Um, you know, I expect all of our relays to, to compete, to make the national meet. And so, you know, we've, I think on the men's side, uh, in the four by one, we've made the national final site outdoor, I think eight out of the last nine years. So, you know, they come in, that's the expectation. Uh, same thing with the four by four, the expectation is not only making the national meet, but, you know, we're competing to win the thing and, uh, it's taken time to get there, but that's now that's the mentality that, uh, there, we don't go a championship without qualifying our teams, our relay teams to the national meet. Um, and relays are really a definition of your, the team, in my opinion, because it's, it's not just one individual. It takes, you know, four or five, six athletes to really develop uh, and create that environment to have a great relay. Um, we always talk, we talk about it all the time. You can't just have four athletes, even though it only takes four that, that step on the track. You got to have five and six, seven, eight athletes trying to compete to get on the relay um, so that, you know, if you have a bad day, somebody is going to come in and maybe take your spot. So you got it. You got to have more than just four athletes at that level. And, and um, that's that's the big thing, you know, for our program. And uh, the women took a huge step forward in that as well this year. And, and this is our first time qualifying, I think, since 2014 or something like that. So, um you know, I think that's a big thing too, is, is helping our, our women's team really get dialed in and, and being able to get to that level and, and kind of match what the guys are doing. And then big weekend coming up, let's see if I'm doing my math right, a little over a week with the NCAA indoors. What are your expectations? What's a, well, be a good few days for Iowa there. Well, you know, um, It'd be great on the women's side. I mean, we, we just have the relay, but it would be great to, to score some points out of that relay, you know, try and um, improve on our, our current position. We're ranked eighth going in. Um, if we could beat a couple teams in, in our heat and then try and try and beat all the teams in the, in the slow, like slower heat, which is the, the third heat, um, you know, I think we can, we can definitely be one of those top five or six teams. Um, on the men's side, I mean, we've been talking about it all year, trying to win a trophy. A trophy is being top four at the NCAA championships. Usually, if you score around 30 points as a team, you, you can uh, be top four. Um, you know, so obviously, we've got some athletes ranked in the top eight that, that are in scoring position right now, including our relay. Uh, but we also have some people that are kind of ranked just outside of the top eight that, that need to really just do what they've already done to, to, to get to the meet. Um, and they ha they're going to have a really good chance at making finals. And then next thing you know, if we've got, you know, four or five, six finalists uh, that currently aren't ranked uh, to make the final, um, all of a sudden you can start scoring a lot of points. Um, so, you know, it's it's a team competition. Uh, obviously, it comes down to a higher level of individual. Uh, but for us, it's this is probably, you know, the biggest uh, team that we've ever had. It is the biggest team that we've ever had going to the national meet, but it's, it's, we're actually going in thinking like a team, not just, Hey, we have a couple of individuals and we're trying to have some first team all Americans. Now it's like, Hey, we're trying to score points to win, win 
a championship or win a trophy. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the philosophy that we have right now is we're not only getting to the national meet, but actually scoring points, scoring points for the team and, and trying to come home with, with the trophy. And I might be getting a little ahead of myself here, but with the outdoor season looming, what are your expectations for that? Well, I mean, we expect to repeat as Big Ten champs. Um, it's going to be a battle again, like this indoor season. Um, Ohio State stepped up big time. Uh, Minnesota, even though they don't have a men's indoor uh, team that they sponsor right now, their outdoor team is going to be really good. And uh, they're hosting the Big Ten championships. So that's always a huge advantage. Uh, I always say the team that hosts probably gets an advantage of 15 to 20 points. So um, just being at home is a, is a big deal. So they're they're going to be vying to win. Uh, win a championship being at home and you know teams that have like I think we're always a stronger outdoor team than we are indoor just because of some of the events that we're uh, traditionally good at uh, but we got to step up our game um, you know it was, it, the indoor meet was a little too close for my comfort uh, even though we won by uh, you know quite a few points um, it just seemed a lot closer than what it really was and we want to we want to have a little bit of breathing room when we get to uh, the four by four uh, at the outdoor championship. So, you know, we expect that we expect to have a, another big group going to the NCAA championships and just continue to, you know, break records and, and continue to build this program into one of the elite uh, track and field teams in the country. Um, and same thing for the women. I mean, you know, I still believe that we have a team that can be buying to be at least top three. Uh, and maybe if you're competing to be top three at the big 10 meet, you have a shot to win. Um, we just have to, you know, continue to build on our indoor season. Um, I actually think we're a better team than sixth place at the Big Ten meet. Uh, like we were indoor, I think we've got better athletes. Um, like I said, I think we've got better events outdoor that's going to really cater to that. So, um, you know, we've got we've got a great group of athletes that are really motivated, uh, especially after the indoor season that they want to they want to win championships just like the guys and. Um, I think they're really figuring out like what it's going to take to do that. One last question might be a hard one to answer here, but you know, we saw Genoa take that huge step from year one to year two. Who are some names who could make the next kind of Genoa jump there? <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's tough because a lot of that comes down to like what their commitment is over the summer. Um, like I said, we've got, a tremendous group of young athletes that I, I feel like all of them can make that kind of step. Um, it's just more about what they, what they do in the off season. And I say this to my team all the time. It's, it's the training during the regular season. That's just, that's just part of it. Uh, you know, over 50% of your season is actually spent in the off season. So what you do in the off season really deter determines how your season in the regular season, the competitive season is going to go. And when I say off season, I'm talking about the breaks, the summer breaks, the winter breaks, the spring breaks. If you're not, you know, traveling with the team, if you're redshirting, what are you doing to make yourself better so that you get on the bus and, and contribute the next year? So, you know, the summer is critically important to the success of athletes taking those big steps and those big jumps forward. So it's, it's hard for me to kind of put some names out there because uh, I believe that everybody that's that's on our team can make those type of jumps. Um, obviously you got to have the talent to back it up too, but, uh, I do feel like we've got a lot of young, talented athletes that, that can make those big steps forward over this next year. 
Well, thanks, Joey, for joining me, and we'll see if you can add another trophy there to your background. I appreciate it. Yeah, we got to keep winning them. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now switching gears over here to Iowa football in terms of the combine and the staffing changes in the Iowa women's basketball with the Big Ten tournament coming up. First, I'll open up with the Iowa football staffing changes. I'm assuming that's probably what most people have kind of the immediate question about. So, of course, Abdul Hodge joins the staff as tight ends coach. Brian Ferentz moves over from tight ends to quarterbacks, while, of course, also being offensive coordinator. And I'll talk more about this in the newsletter this week, but the bottom line here is it's a gamble. It's really betting on Brian Terrence. I see a scenario where this works, where the offensive coordinator all of a sudden is spending time with the quarterback. And remember, with this pro-style offense, whoever is quarterback has a lot of responsibilities in terms of the checks that happen pre-snap and such. So that's the scenario where it works out well. You could also see the scenario where it doesn't work out well where, you know, it's no secret that Iowa's offenses have not ranked highly. You know, actually, they've been statistically some of the worst in FBS in certain years, depending on which stat you look at. So, you know, you could see where, okay, the person who produced those results now given more responsibility with quarterbacks yeah, it's understandable to have some skepticism on this. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, everyone is going to be able to say, told you so. So we'll see what happens, though. Now, switching gears over here to reader questions. Um, first of all, really like this question from Kelly about how specifically women's basketball are how they always show top scores by points per game. Why not use points per minutes played if a team has a large lead, the stars sit down while others may get significantly more playing time. And I think that brings up a great point. And, you know, I think the various, there are different ways that you see some of those stats are adjusted. You know, I love points per possession because that not only adjusts for how often you're on the court, but also, okay, if you're on a team that's really up-tempo, you're going to have more points per game. And I think that's something I'd love to see kind of the sports world adjust more into. I think people are familiar with points per game, and that's why it gets used a lot. Um, You know, I like to sprinkle in some analytics. You know, in my most recent women's basketball preview of the Friday night game, you know, I use points per 100 possessions. And I was number one in the country per, per hoop stats, which does a great job on keeping women's basketball stats and advanced stats too. Um, so, you know, I think there's definitely a lot of value in having the analytics, how quickly that's take form. We'll see. People are used to points per game, so that kind of sticks around for a while. But I think there are a lot of interesting new stats that I don't think many people heard of or talk much about five, ten years ago. 
you know, baseball had wind shears with Bill James. Now you can see women's basketball wind shears for a player. So I think we could be coming into a little bit of a golden age of basketball analytics. And I think whether that's points per minutes played, points per possession, the more that we get some of those other stats included, I think that tells a really complete picture. Now, Bonnie asks, as I move my windows around here to see it, um, how do the women keep from getting in foul trouble? That was scary the other night. And, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, some of it is going to kind of depend on how the game gets officiated, and it's hard to know. Um, you know, I think the thing that helps is that O'Grady seems to have really stepped up lately. So you've got some options there, but it's still, you know, not a, there's no perfect solution, I don't think, to how you just totally avoid it. Um, so... We'll see. You know, sometimes the Big Ten officials will let people play a little more um, in terms of that physicality. I think a lot of people saw that clip of Caitlin Clark kind of being shoved across the paint against Rutgers and no whistle there. So sometimes they really let them play. But, you know, um, that's going to be a really important key, I think. Iowa women's basketball doesn't, you know, have an easy path to a Sunday championship game. I think they can. If I had to bet, I'm not a betting person. And I don't know how much you want to use my advice to bet. But if I was a betting person, I'd say they'd be there Sunday. But it's going to be a hard path because you got either Northwestern or Minnesota. If you get Minnesota, it's a pretty favorable game. But if it's Northwestern, you know, Northwestern beat them once and came close the second time. So that's a tough matchup. Then you've got most likely in the second round, Michigan, that, you know, split the series. Now, it's easy to look at that final score from Sunday's game and say, oh, well, Michigan, you know, Iowa just beat them by 24. But Michigan's a better team than that. It's hard to beat a team like Michigan by 24 twice in one week. So we'll see. But, you know, I think Iowa is probably the hottest team right now in the Big Ten. They've really been on a roll. I think it's four straight wins, three of which against top 10 teams, or at least top 10 at the time teams. So, you know, I think they could have a deep run, and I'm looking forward to covering it every step of the way. Now, on the combine front, um, a little bit of news happened as I'm recording it today. Um, Tyler Winderbaum said that he is not going to be participating in the combine drills. So the 40-yard dash, the vertical, all that, because of a injury to his foot that was um, – that occurred in the fourth quarter of the Citrus Bowl. I think a lot of people remember that for, you know, he left the game and it takes a lot to take Tyler Linderbaum out. Kind of amazing that he went back in after that, now that we know it's a midfoot sprain. So you know, that tells you how much he loves to play. It was interesting, you know, because you would think somebody who gets hurt in the bowl game who's going to be a first-round pick would say, well, hmm, maybe playing in the bowl game, maybe I would have done things differently. 
But no, um, Tyler said that he would play it again. Uh, hopefully go out with a win. Um, I think that might have been his exact phrase. That might be a word off there. So, you know, that was an interesting thing. I think that tells you a lot about Tyler Linderbaum as a teammate, that even knowing that he would be back in. Now, does this injury realistically hurt his draft stock? I don't see it having any effect. You know, it's a sprain. He played a lot of snaps. So, you know, he's going to be a first-round pick regardless. You know, I think probably a pretty good chance of first half of the first round. So you never know. But, um, yeah, I don't see this affecting the draft stock. I think I saw a couple social media comments pondering that question. But, yeah, he's still the best center in this class. Probably the biggest question for him is he's a little undersized. But when you look at it, you know what you're going to get about. That's going to help him a lot. A couple other Hawkeyes are at the combine. Tyler Goodson, probably going to be a later round pick. Dane Belton, also probably a later round pick. Talked to Tyler Goodson today. So he's been getting ready. No formal interviews for him with NFL teams, but a lot of informal interviews. Not really a huge surprise considering how we're in the draft. He's likely to go. Dean Belton will get to talk to on Saturday. So he'll be the final Hawkeye available. Um, just the way the schedule works with defensive backs being later on. So it'll be interesting to get his insights. So I'll have plenty of coverage of that online and in print. However you consume the Gazette's sports news. So it'll be an interesting week here for both Iowa players in the combine. Goodson will have his measurements tomorrow. So we'll see his 40-yard dash time. I asked him if he had a particular time he was expecting. He did not give me a specific time, but was very optimistic. So we'll hear more in terms of combine stuff later in the week. We'll know does the women's basketball team win a Big Ten tournament title after winning a Big Ten regular season title. So it'll be an exciting next few days here for Iowa Hawkeyes fans. So thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Hawk Off the Press. Uh, Hawk Off the Press on the road edition, I guess you'd call it. So I'll be back with another edition next week. But until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.